Welcome to this week's episode of Not Super Woman. We are very excited. We're nearing the end of the season. I'm so excited. <laughs> I've never looked forward to anything <laughs> so much. I genuinely feel like it's Christmas. I know. We definitely, we are, we just have been um, sitting down together mapping out our plan of attack and our episode coming up was going to be our last, but we decided we'd add a little bit more. We might do some kind of like mini recap episode recap kind of about I don't know. our burnout. So look forward <laughs> to that one. On that note, that's so joyful, isn't it? It is joyful. Um, just talk to me quickly. So I know we've got some gorgeous guests in this week, but um, how's your week been? Um, it is been. I'm preparing for school holidays, like I'm preparing for battle. It's, it's like a war zone, I reckon. It is. It's intense. It's like winter, viruses, kids home, rain, chaos. So but also anyway. like lots of social things happen as well. Like I feel like May, April, May, June has been insane. I, I can't say that I have fared very well through any of those months. I'm hoping July, August, September brings me more joy. But Because um, you've right. got basketball final tonight. Yep, Birdie made the great grand final. Woohoo! Seven-year-old grand final. We're um, <laughs> really grasping at straws here. But no, we'll- <laughs> I reckon that's quite incredible because um, the girls lose netball every single week and the other day they're like, Mummy... When will we win a game? I'm like, I do not know. <laughs> I genuinely <laughs> It's all about time. The, yeah, exactly. I'm like, you rock up and Give you have a, a great time. Do you know what else we've got tonight? I'm feeling nervous about it. <laughs> we've got our 20-year school reunion. Zoe and I are returning to the scene of the crime. I just, I don't feel like I'm that old. I have days where I do and I have days where I don't. And sometimes I look around and I'm like, does everyone believe that I'm an adult or can they actually see through me in the fact that I'm a really immature child that has no idea what they're doing? And then recently I've been having like these weird midlife crisis kind of moments and Instagram maybe is sensing that because I'm getting all these like odd ads pop up. <laughs> it's reading your mind. Honestly, and I'm like, oh, no. I'm so old. Anyway, you know, I'll well, pop on some Scanlon and I'll get <laughs> up the door. <laughs> Um, but we are very excited because this week we've got Brooke Pitt and Hannah McKim from our Pilates. They are two women that have come together and created their online subscription program for Pilates online classes. Um, and it was so good to talk to them. They, they, because you know what, they're two women that have come together from completely different backgrounds and connected for one reason or another, and like started this journey together of a startup and a business, and then like it was so good to talk to them. Well, about it does resonate with us, I guess. Yes, yeah, because and, I mean, and and they bring different strengths and weaknesses, and they you know help each other in that in that regard. Because mm, Hannah is a um, fully qualified physiotherapist as well as a fully credit accredited Pilates instructor. And then Brooke, um, her maiden name being Hogan, is um, a renowned Australian model as well as an entrepreneur. And she, um, between the two of them, they've just got such interesting journeys that led them to want to do something that was about wellness and being proactive and mindful with taking care of yourself. And making people feel good. Mm, yeah, which um, sort of sprouted, I guess, from... From lockdown, another silver lining story of lockdown, I guess, even though there's a lot of, you know, 
reflection on lockdown that's not so great. But um, yeah, I was like trauma. Yes. <laughs> yes. But this is a happy news story and we can't wait to have them at the kitchen table with us. I know. <laughs> I well, wanted they... to say on the lounge or something, but I'm like looking around, I'm like, no, it's on the kitchen table. <laughs> Back in the studio. Yeah. But um, no, we do, we cover a lot in this episode because whilst it's, we do get them on to talk about Pilates and their startup business, we also talk to them about their personal journeys. I mean, um, Hannah going through physiotherapy and then what led her to, to want to do this and be involved with Pilates and then Brooke, her experience and Im- the impact of modelling and that it, what it's had on her as well as her decision to step back from owning a swimwear label that she started and and follow through on this whilst um, starting her first uh, starting a family she's having her first baby and her IVF journey that I mean both of them have experienced different journeys of fertility and so we cover a lot there's a lot to go through they were very generous in being vulnerable and raw and honest with us and it was really fascinating to talk to them about it we can't wait to share it with you Welcome, Brooke and Hannah. Welcome to this week's episode of Not Super Woman. We are delighted to have two guests this week. This is a first for us. We actually have only um, singled out one victim before. <laughs> now, we've got- now we've got two. <laughs> um, we have the gorgeous Hannah McKim. And Brooke Pitt, who have joined us from our Pilates, and which is their amazing new online subscription program. And we wanted to get you guys on because uh, we are loving what you're putting out there with our Pilates and, um, and fascinated also to your journey to date on how you got here. So, so grateful that you came on. Thank you. Thanks for having us. Yeah, thanks. <laughs> Good to be here. We do. We've got an uh, underlying connection. You, Zoe, you, you can explain. Well, Hannah's the highlight of my whole week, <laughs> apart from obviously coming and seeing you. On Monday mornings, I do Pilates with Hannah in Red Hill and it is seriously fantastic. It kind of sets the tone for the rest of the week yeah. and makes me, well, I like to kind of think that this happens, it doesn't, make better decisions <laughs> for the rest of the week. <laughs> See, I absolutely love Pilates, but I am so struggle with consistency. But that's a personality thing too. I think I just struggle to be consistent full stop. But I love when I go because it definitely changes the dynamic of the whole week for sure or even the day when I go to Pilates and then come back from it I'm like yeah let's do it you're so motivated yeah yeah anyway babbling on I'm I'm the same though if I don't exercise in the morning it's like it doesn't happen it's either the morning or it's not at all so I like love to just make that plan do that in the morning so what would be like your routine in a day, Brooke? Well, currently it's a lot different to how it used to be. <laughs> we should explain um, that if you're only listening, um, that Brooke is pregnant. 34 Quite weeks. 34 yeah. weeks. So she's doing very well to be here. But, yeah, so how, is your, how has it changed during your pregnancy, your, your commitment to Pilates? Yeah, and it has changed a lot over the years anyway. So since being pregnant, I actually in the beginning um, – had quite a few complications so I wasn't really allowed to exercise too much I would do some light walking and some some Pilates um but I wasn't really allowed to so as soon as I kind of got the go-ahead at I think it was 19 weeks so I was pretty far in it was it's actually really hard when you're so used to moving your body and you really enjoy moving your body it was like this adjustment to kind of go okay cool I actually get as we said motivation you get energy you kind of 
you know, it really Routine. sets a tone for your day. So it has changed quite a lot. But nowadays um, I'm probably doing maybe, th- I want to say four, but it's definitely three. Three, <laughs> <laughs> three to four, but definitely three classes a week. Um, and yeah, all our Pilates. So it's all at home, which for me is so convenient. I live down the coast um, and we don't really have that too many options of, of studios. So having really good quality Pilates that I can do from my house for me is so convenient. Um, so then does Hannah do a customised program for you well, she, or help you? Well, she did originally when we didn't have sort of like a prenatal planner. Um, but now since we've sort of really kind of focused on that area, we ha- we offer like a weekly planner for everyone who also is pregnant. So um yeah, prior to that, I was like, Hannah, what classes can yeah. I do? What should I do? And she would kind of like write me an individual program. I'm like, I'm so annoying. Um, I'm the worst subscriber. The worst, <laughs> I'm the worst member. Um, but yeah, now we've really, um, yeah, really focused on that area. Obviously, Han having, um, how old happened? Nine months? Nine months. Nine months. Yeah. Um, and me being pregnant, we realised that at-home Pilates for people like us is, is so convenient. Um, so we've really tried to focus on yeah, that prenatal and postnatal sort of collection. We've got programs coming to sort of like specify to that individual area. So, yeah, it's really easy for us to kind of incorporate prenatal Pilates at home. That's awesome. I, I We will... never had that. No. I was a fat slug. Zoe. <laughs> Zoe. I feel it too. I was. I literally just wasn't. That is just, just wasn't a, thing. a very graphic description. <laughs> and not, <laughs> not really. And not true. <laughs> so if we go back then, how did you both even meet? Like how did our Pilates even start? Where Take us back. I always forget what year it actually was, but I think it was definitely like before lockdown. So whether we we must have started in 2019. It was. I think it was like towards the end of yeah. 2019. Yeah. And Brooke had like started running and was actually like naturally kind of good at it and then decided <laughs> she wanted to do a half marathon. Kind of like went from zero to 100 though. And um, anyway, so started seeing me for physio to try and like rectify a few things. And then we weren't quite there yet and we went into lockdown and I was in Campbell at this point. So like the travel just wasn't really an option. So I started sending Brooke just like some classes she could do, some like workouts to try and help like with the running issues. Um, And then from there was Howard Springs I believe (laughs) that Brooke just had this like light bulb moment she was like maybe we should like make this a thing like I'd been doing some zoom classes for my girlfriends and uploading them to YouTube and like the production quality was was awful but um, people were kind of enjoying the classes that I was putting out there anyway so Um, good and was sorry was this during COVID at this point it was Yeah. yeah yeah so it was it was just like this kind of natural progression everything we've done we've been saying recently has just sort of progressed so organically like it's never really been like a that's the end goal we've got to get to that it's always just kind of like fallen into place really naturally so and similarly with the prenatal and postnatal things it's like it just makes sense with where we're at as well mm-hmm. um because that's your background isn't it you were you're a physiotherapist and yep. you studied um is it muscular musculoskeletal um and then you were working um when i did a bit of research on you you mm-hmm. you were, were working in hospitals 
Wait. Started off, yeah. So finished my like bachelor degree, went and worked in hospitals. That's a pretty normal like pathway. You go and do like a few years sort of rotating through different wards. Mm-hmm. Um, but I always knew I wanted to get into private practice. And then I – so I started doing my Pilates training in order to get a role in a private practice. But that was definitely the point where I was like, oh, I actually think – this could be a career for me. Like I sort of, I must admit, and I think a lot of physios do feel this, you sort of can feel a little bit like you're going through the motions and it can be a little bit, a little bit of time before you actually find an area that interests you or that you feel like you're good at or that you can actually help people in. And then, yeah, probably in the last four years, Pilates has kind of like taken over my life a little bit in a good, <laughs> in a good way. way. <laughs> like I'm, I'm quite like obsessed in a good way with it like I love it for myself but I just love what it can do for my clients or like even if you're not injured just like the way that exercising mindfully and even just finding a kind of exercise that you enjoy Mm. like a lot of people say like oh I didn't even know it had been like 45 minutes or like it's the first kind of exercise I've ever done where I'm not watching the clock or Mm. just like counting down the minutes or it doesn't feel like a chore anymore it's like you look forward to it so and and I know it's not for everyone I'm I'm very aware of that but I think for a lot of people um and particularly women it's it's kind of like often the first time they've actually enjoyed exercising and feel good about it rather than feeling like they do it because they have to yeah and that's kind of like where we were sort of like, we noticed that other people loved Pilates. I've always loved Pilates. And then when I did Hannah's classes, I'm obviously biased, but I was like, I've never done a Pilates class like this. I've never felt like I've engaged my muscles more than I have in Hannah's classes. So that's kind of like where it naturally progressed. It was like when we sort of shared, you know, Hannah's YouTube classes that were very mediocre. <laughs> 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 so and people were loving them. We were like, this is, this can really be something. And we're really making people feel good and, you know, getting such great feedback from people. Um, like that's, I guess that natural progression from, mm. from, yeah, you know, just meeting and then kind of realizing that Han has this beautiful skill and such a great teacher, which obviously your teacher mm. is almost, you know, you can have a good Pilates class and you can have a bad Pilates class. Yeah, oh, so true. Yes. Yeah. Sometimes you can feel like you're going through the motions if you're not connecting with the teacher. Totally. Yeah. 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 Well, it's very personal mm. thing. Uh, yeah, and it's also expanded so much. It started out with Matt, well, from what I remember, and I'm not hugely into it. Obviously, I need to get more consistent, but started out with Matt and now it's expanding so much into, like, dynamic and um, and – um, reformer and you know all these different versions of exercises that are adaptations of it themselves and stuff I mean mm. Hannah would obviously know here I am talking about <laughs> no but we were the same keep going that's great <laughs> I always assumed that you know Matt alone and we've we've kind of had mm. this mentality too that you know Matt is a little bit inferior to to reformer Pilates but it's just so not true when you've got good quality classes and a good teacher that mm. can really help you get the most out of it and that's how I fell in love with Pilates was actually originally reformer and then move down the coast there's like no way good down yeah. there and then also like throw lockdown in there I think we all learned and I don't want to talk about it in a negative way but we all learned how to you know move our bodies in a different way mm. and I have never personally been in, in mentally as well but physically more 
I guess, strong and fit than when I have been doing mat Pilates. So it's definitely, you know, that mindset of it being inferior because you don't have like, you know, a reformer yeah. machine there is so, in our case, I think just and also makes it not the case. a lot of people can't have a reformer. Yeah. Yeah. Like, you know, yeah. it's, they're expensive. And the cost, yeah, yeah. yeah. And they take up so much room. Mm. Yeah. And, you know, I dust mine. Charlie can not listen to this ever. Because <laughs> yeah. the other day he's like, when did you use that reformer? I'm like, ah. Uh, Yesterday, and he's like, there's a thick layer of dust. Oh. So now I just kind of like oh. wipe it down most <laughs> Just to hide the fact you never I, use it. Because I thought, no, like, guys, there is like stages. I know, it's so like, funny. you know, when you kind of, and I do, I love Matt Pilates yeah. too. Yeah. Well, we are offering soon some reformer classes oh, on good. our platform. Oh, yeah. So maybe dust you can it dust it off. <laughs> <laughs> Actually, by doing it. Um, so, Hannah, going back to what you were saying before in regards to physiotherapy and sometimes finding like you can go through the motion. What was it that then shifted you into Pilates specifically? I just felt like my way of getting a job, to be honest, yeah, in yeah. a private practice, was to also be qualified in Pilates. Yes. Um, and I trained with the um, APPI, Australian Pilates Physiotherapy Institute, and I honestly just fell in love with it. So I ended up doing, like, you could kind of just do, like, one course and and work. Like, yes. you don't actually... You don't actually need to become re- registered as a Pilates instructor. Mm-hmm. And I think that that's where, like, there's become such a wide range of, like, quality of Pilates out there because mm-hmm. there's no, like, registration process. You don't right. actually have to, like, qualify in any way. See, that's interesting. I didn't know. It's also I kind of alarming. <laughs> yeah. So I, I, I am a bit of a box ticker in personality anyway, so this is not, like, unusual for me. But I did, like, the most thorough possible training you could do like I did all the mat work levels all the equipment levels and then I also did the exam at the end whereas which you really don't have to do but I just did and then yeah and then basically went into work and it was all on reformers it was all and and Cadillacs and other forms of equipment Um, and it, it really wasn't until lockdown that I started to really explore the mat work side of things again and it's really fun coming up with a class, but I think it does kind of – it does require probably a bit more skill as a practitioner because it's very easy to get creative on a reformer because there's so much going on anyway. But to get re- creative on the mat when you've really kind of got like X amount of moves mm-hmm. to work with yep. and you need to sort of like come up with different different ways of going about those exercises, different cues, ways to get your clients to actually – move in the way you want them to and that was like something I found really hard at first because without being able to put your hands on your client and be like you know lift your chest or like tuck your tailbone in that kind of thing Mm. to have to explain that verbally without having your hands on someone it can be really hard so you sort of you do learn a lot of different ways I mean Brooks heard them all different cues I use and like you know imagine this or imagine that or picture this and well these sort of force I guess that I mean the COVID really forced us to adapt obviously but um that it probably forced you to adapt that level of teaching to another layer of Definitely. vocab and yeah examples yeah. and all those things yeah. and is the queen of cues and then you might yeah. call yeah, her she's yeah. so damn good yeah. it's so good so, yeah. but that would be so helpful then to put it into obviously you've you've launched this our pilates online subscription um, platform where you can watch your classes and obviously do from home. So that would be so helpful to still be doing those live classes, having those ex- live examples in front of you and then adapting them to 
to how to work it yeah. out, work it out better for the online tutorials. Definitely. So, do you film them yourself, Hannah? And then Brooke, you do, I guess, like all the PR social side. Like, how does your dynamic work? together yeah, steep learning curve like getting all the camera <laughs> gear mic lights like getting all of that was definitely like the most challenging part we like, went in so blind oh yeah. like, we really had so no idea well, <laughs> I was like this is a familiar tale <laughs> yeah like I was just saying earlier like it did have me in tears a couple of times because I would spend so long like on YouTube like what settings should my camera be on? Like, how do I connect the mic? Like, all just all these things that we just had no idea how to do. Um, and then ad being obviously not allowed to kind of we can't uh, basically yeah. Them. Well, it was difficult. There was some. There was obviously periods where we were allowed, and that periods where we weren't. Mm-hmm. But it was like I felt so helpless, kind of from home, being like, um, maybe try this setting, try not this. knowing how, like <laughs> yeah, having no, absolutely no bloody idea either. <laughs> So how do, how do you guys go about kind of filming and, and making that work? Like who does what role? What's your dynamic? Yeah, so I I go to the studio and I, I film the classes myself. So yeah. I set up the lights and the camera and we've got like the exact angle that the mat's got to be on and the tripod and everything. Um, and then I do like a little run through and then I press record and run out and film the class always in one take there's been twice when I've something's happened like the phone's rung in the middle of of the class and I've forgotten to put it on do not disturb or something and honestly editing the videos after like if it wasn't if it wasn't for like my physical body it would be much easier to just do the class all over again but sometimes I'm just too tired to do that (laughs) but that's what we've learned editing and kind of that stuff takes it's so, so much so time. Yeah. If we go back to um, like your individual journeys, I find quite fascinating. And so we know Han did physiotherapy and sort of accreditations to Pilates and that's that side of the business that came into play. But Brooke, you're obviously being um, high profile and are a high profile Australian model you're on a season, <laughs> season eight of um, Next Top, uh, Australia's Next Top Model, yeah. or Australia's Top Model. Australia's Next Top Model. Sorry. Yeah, feels like another lifetime. No, I it's know. Fine. I was looking. Uh, I was looking it up. It was like 2013, so like ten oh years ago. Oh god, you were so young. I was so yeah. young. I was just turned 21 on the show, so I'm 31 now. Also, oh, 10 years. Yeah, yeah. Whoa. It's flown. Such a good yeah. show. That is. Wild. I might go back and watch it. it. No, please don't. Don't watch my episode. <laughs> I actually did, to be honest. <laughs> I, um, I did. I, I like get down a rabbit hole when I start looking into episodes and research and stuff. Oh, I love that. Yeah, yeah. I, I watched it. I watched a bit, and I just think about like your age. You were so young, and like I don't know how I would have coped being that age in the public eye. I had a social following, quite a small one, prior to the show, um, and I had modelled before going on the show. Nothing like that. And to be honest, you know, I laugh about A and T M, but I'm so grateful for it because it really has kind of like it, it did start my career. Um, so yeah, look, I had done a little bit of modelling, so I sort of knew the world a little bit. Um, had some social media, so I knew that there was you yeah know, people out there that aren't so kind, but. I actually never used to like modelling. Right. I didn't want to do it at the start when I was – this is prior to Top Model. I would get asked to do shoots and stuff and agencies reaching out and I just didn't like the way that it made me feel and I think I was just too young to understand the world and it is so 
it's rough. Like it's you just it's get told throat. no. It's yeah. cutthroat. You get told all these things about your body. Like it, it's it's a lot. And if you don't have that mindset, or you're I guess not old enough to kind of compartmentalize and 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 sort of like differentiate yourself from yourself as a person versus yourself as as a model in a in a, in a model body. And I think it took me a long time to get used to that. So I did the show, which was. Yeah, I laugh about it, but it was amazing. And I'm glad that I was, I was the oldest on the show, which is crazy to me. Oh, because, wow, 21. Yeah, 16, 15, some of the girls. Oh, my God. Oh, that at 16 God. and 15. I, I couldn't imagine. So I think I had a little bit, I'm going to say not life experience, but I mean I was a little bit older than some of the girls. So yep. I sort of knew and I was like the producers would try and get you to say things to try and make good TV. And at the end of the day I was like they're trying to make TV. Like this is what they're doing. Yeah, it's actually, And if it works out at the end, then fantastic. But at this, at this point right now, it's entertainment. So I was very much aware of that. And I had that in my mind the whole time. And I was like, you know, be professional and, and think about life after the show rather than trying to get airtime now. So I think having a little bit of, yeah, I guess Common awareness. Sense. Yeah, awareness, <laughs> which I mean, when you're 16, you just don't think like that. So no, it's really God. difficult. To be honest, at 21, if the producers were asking me, I would be like, blah, 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 yeah. blah. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, and it's easy you to do. A self awareness that I definitely wouldn't have had in my 20s. Yeah, right. So yeah, things really picked up after the show. Um, and then I started to enjoy modeling. I didn't, as I said, didn't enjoy it before that. And I think post the show, I sort of learned so much about myself. I kind of knew my strengths in a way. Um, knew I guess where I was where I guess where I was going to go in terms of the modeling world like I got signed to IMG and they wanted to send me overseas and just as long as you lose xyz and <laughs> three inches off your hips and you know I'm almost six foot tall those kind of measurements for me just physically it's just not possible no. so once I realized that kind of pathway going to Europe and walking runways wasn't for me um I actually signed with an agency in Melbourne who are very commercial. Vivian's, I was with them for, I'm going to say like five or six years. Mm -hmm. And my previous agency wouldn't even send me to castings because I wasn't the right size. I changed to Vivian's and I literally worked every day for like five years. Yeah, which is, it comes down to having great management, great support Mm -hmm. around you. Yeah. And then everyone, you know, you're a good team. I've actually, I do feel really proud to kind of say that I kind of got through it pretty unscathed really yeah also what I've found fascinating is that looking into your um, background and your journey I kind of clear and obvious um, just from an outsider looking in that even you started up um, Le Mans and I know you've parked it at the moment as temporarily given also you're heavily pregnant and about to start your first family but your the inclusivity that Le Mans was and meant to you and how you wanted it to be for all women. I mean, it was quite clear that you had a mindset of ve- and values of self-confidence and sense of self. And I do find it fascinating now, obviously coming from, and again, I don't mean to um, talk negatively of modelling. It's I, I think it's fantastic and aspirational. I do, I, you know, there's obviously unhealthy elements of it. Um, but you managed to come out of it and then go and do other ventures that tied back into um, having a strong sense of self and being inclusive and being body proud and body positive. Yeah, and that's something that I like. Say we say to I say to Hannah every day. We just I feel personally, and I know Hannah feels the same way. Like I just feel so good to be working in a business right now that actually genuinely makes people feel good. Mm. And I've never had that. I've obviously had to 
self-talk over the years and and to kind of drag myself away from having negative emotions about my body and about myself and I've really had to try and and instill that in myself but I really want to try and instill that in other people and I was like swimwear somewhere where we're so self-conscious and Mm -hmm. we're so talk so negatively about ourselves you put on swimwear and you feel so horrible and I was like how can we kind of or how can I try and use my learnings of of you know that positive self-talk into a way that's going to affect other people and help other people so that was my whole kind of mentality with Lamont and then it kind of grew yeah it kind of grew from there and and it did it was it was so it had that impact and I had people say I've never felt more beautiful I feel so comfortable and that was just kind of like oh I feel so good about that you know and I I did feel fulfilled um I have since parked it it's just been prior to kind of falling pregnant I'm sure we'll probably get into it later but I went through like a big fertility journey and just trying to run that whilst navigating that, whilst also our Pilates is on the side, I just didn't have time to be a human being. Like I just wasn't Mm. enjoyable and I did lose a lot of passion for it. And I think what I realized was that what I loved so much about it was the way that I was making other people feel. And when I realized that I get that tenfold with our Pilates, I was kind of like, my time is so much better spent in this space. Mm. Um, So they really do weirdly, even though they're completely separate, like modeling to owning a fashion brand to you know, working in a in a fitness business, they're so different, but mm. in a way, they kind of all kind of align in terms of, I guess, my values as a person. And so, you, I mean, you touched on it just then, but both of you have had quite challenging experiences when, like, starting the trying for a family process. I know, yeah. Hannah, you have shared with Zoe before. And, and I can't say the word. Yeah. <laughs> oh, my God, Hannah, please take over. It's a mouthful. Um, so, yeah, I um, came off the pill just kind of thinking that it might take – I knew it might take a while. Like I was thinking it would take maybe even six to 12 months for my period to come back. But after 12 months of just absolutely nothing, I decided to look into it. Um, and so this was, sorry, in the steps of when you made the decision that you might want to start trying for a family? Yeah, so I, um, I'm i trying to remember whether this was before I got engaged or maybe around about when I got engaged. Yep. And knowing that, like, Matt and I wanted to get married first, I really have no idea why. I just decided I wanted to get married before I started my family. Um, so I knew I had a bit of time up my sleeve, or I thought I was giving myself plenty of time, actually, But then when my period didn't come back naturally and I looked into it and was diagnosed with a condition called hypothalamic amenorrhea. Thank you. I was like never going to get there. I'm glad we both didn't attempt. (laughs) (laughs) And like the first thing I did was was Google it because I was like – isn't that what like the Olympians get? You know, like I'm not an athlete. Um, Again, I don't have an eating disorder. I was like I just don't – I don't see how myself who's like living a pretty normal life and just being what I thought was really healthy, I don't understand how I could have ended up with this condition that is like essentially your brain is perceiving that your body is under so much stress that it's not worth releasing the hormones that make you ovulate. So your cycle just gets put completely on the back burner because you're in that sort of fight or flight state, which I think we're we're all really familiar with now because we talk a lot about burnout and that kind of thing where you're constantly running on adrenaline. Um, But I don't think many people know they're in it until they're like 
on, on the other side of it, if that makes sense. And totally. it's, it's only since seeing like a fertility specialist, a dietitian, and a naturopath who have all been able to point out like certain behaviors that I'm like, oh my God, like, That's no why. shit. <laughs> like, yeah. Of course, I wasn't getting my period. So I had like done my master's whilst continuing to work full time. Um, I used to, I loved running, but I also know that I put a lot of pressure on myself to always run and I'd run really big distances and I'd run on an empty stomach and then I'd... Is that because that's what your concept of being fit, like an exercise and being fit is? It's, yeah, it's really interesting when you reflect. I feel like you can get bombarded with um, these messages of like intermittent fasting, 5-2 diet, no carbs. Like I, I think you can get bombarded with these messages that make you think what you're doing is like really good for your body. Um, but, and, and it might work for some people, but I, I think probably what I've learned is it's, it's actually like really depleting your body of what it, it needs. Mm. Um, and then I think you get used to running on, on that like really low level and it feels normal. Yeah, so after yeah, seeing quite a few different um, people to help me, I still wasn't my, – my period still didn't come back naturally and I was just starting to become really aware that I was um, – I think I might have been 34 at this point or, or 33. And, and then I was like, well, if I give it another 6 to 12 months and then I'm still having this conversation, am I then going to be in, in that, like, conversation where they're like, you're getting – Older. Older, yeah, and and is then my age going to become the issue as well? And so I spoke to my fertility specialist, and we went through a process called ovulation induction, which is injections to to make you ovulate. So you get the right hormone balance. Um, you go in for a pelvic scan and ultrasound like once or twice a week, um, and then they count your follicles and they measure your follicles, and basically you get to a point where they're like, okay you and your partner are going to have relations on Monday, Wednesday and Friday this week and then we'll... Romance is not dead. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) And then we'll do the pregnancy test. Um, And the first time overstimulated, so I had too many follicles, so I might have had like a a multiple pregnancy. So they suggested that we kind of just let that one go. Um, And then the second round of this process worked for us. So I actually could not believe it. We'd sort of geared up to to shift straight to IVF if I overstimulated again and we were just going to harvest those eggs and then um, do IVF instead. Um, so, yeah, I actually – I just was shocked when it worked and it and it, and it it was a really good pregnancy and now, yeah, I've got my it's daughter. Amazing. Yeah, so I'm Can amazed. I ask a personal question? Yeah, Has your period come back since having Harper? No, and I'm really interested to see if it does. I'm obviously, like, living life – very differently to prior to Harper, like. Um, but that also, sorry to interrupt, but that also could be because you're. Are you feeding? Yeah, so I'm still breastfeeding. Yeah, so mine didn't yeah, come so back. That, yeah, 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 mine didn't come back sense. until after I'd finished bre- breastfeeding. Yeah, so yeah. I'm not really expecting it to come back like now, but I have spoken to my specialist, and if it doesn't come back by the time we want to go again, um, we can just go through the same process again. Yeah. yeah. Right. And so then in regards to ex- your commitment to exercise and well-being, how did it adjust during that time when you came to those realisations? Like what, what did you reduce? What did you focus on? I think like 
my first reaction probably said a lot and taught me that maybe I was thinking a little bit unhealthily about exercise because I was so uncomfortable with the thought of not running. Like it, it really challenged me. I had in my mind, I was like, oh, I'm going to gain heaps of weight. I'm going to get really unfit. I'm not going to be happy. And then to be honest, like nothing really changed. <laughs> like I stopped running. Of course I was less fit, but I just would walk instead. I did more Pilates. I, I needed to like change relax, up the routine. Though. Yeah. But um, the, the, Places my mind went at first made me realise that it probably was a little bit of an unhealthy, like, um, reason for why I was running so much. And now that I'm back to running and I'm literally just so grateful to be able to get out there and I don't really care how far I go or how fast I go, it's just like a run is a run. It's so much more enjoyable and I, I'm actually, like, writing a little piece for our <laughs> weekly blog at the moment because it's a really – interesting shift and I think becoming a mum has really brought this on where you kind of you have to let go of a lot of your perfectionistic traits because you you don't have time you don't have space and you can't focus on it and fixate on those things yeah anymore. so things even as simple as like if I was going to have friends over I would always like make sure that I had like a really beautiful cheese board and I'd always cook things from scratch and that kind of thing whereas now friends come over it's like we order pizza and that's fine yeah so there's there's things like that where you you just do have to let go and I think it's been a really good refreshing it's obviously comes with its stresses but I think it's also forced me to let go of some things that don't matter as much yeah, which is really well said. Does that makes sense. Yeah, yeah. Oh, 100%. That is, yeah like, totally. And then, Brooke, you have, I've seen on your Instagram an amazing video that you posted about your journey through having to go through IVF. And it was so powerful to see because you were so raw and vulnerable. Um, is, can you t- tell us a bit about that? Like that when, when that started for you? Yeah, I mean, quite similar to Han, I think once we were engaged, Miles um, and I have been together uh, since I was 22, so quite young, 23. And we always sort of knew that we wanted to have a family, but it wasn't something that we kind of really spoke about. I was very career orientated and he is also very career orientated too. So um, we never spoke about it, but we just both knew. Um, so it was something that didn't even need to be said. But as soon as we got engaged, we were like, should we? And he was like, yeah. So it was sort of just like that kind of that one step to go, cool, like we're in this now, like let's just try. And I wasn't really too... Um, fussed if I was sort of pregnant at my wedding. I didn't really have this idea of, you know, I wanted to be married, absolutely, and I don't know, same as Hannah, I don't really know why. I think um, that was just really important to me. So we sort of started trying when we got engaged and it was like six months of fun. It was sort of like, you know, how fun is this? You know, we've been together for so long and we've always been so careful because we both were so focused on our careers and we both knew that we didn't sort of want that at that time. Um and we were really careful, like, f- for, for, for some of those years. But there was times where I was like, oh, you know, it could have happened and it hasn't happened type mm. thing. And then, yeah, once six months kind of kicked in, we were like, okay, I was also, you know, approaching 30 and I was like, I just want to be like, get on top of it. So I started yeah. to get some scans um, just to sort of just check that everything was okay in there. I've always had really heavy periods. So in my mind, I was like, oh, I've got endometriosis or I've got, you know, something going on, which um, I thankfully I, I don't. Well, it's, that's not, that hasn't been part of my fertility problems. 
Um, so once we sort of got those tests and realized everything was looking okay, we were sort of like, let's just persist. Um, and then it kind of got towards, um, the end of the year. So we'd been trying since I was engaged in the March and it was December and it still hadn't happened yet. They couldn't really say what, what the problem was. Like I was getting a regular period, like Miles was fine on his end. So it was really quite strange. And I ended up planning a wedding, um, my wedding was in the following February, but I planned it in November. I was like, I'm not pregnant. Like, I was No, and you almost want something else to fixate on. Yeah. So you're not, like, you just kind of want to think about something Work else. Maybe. Yeah. I don't know. Yeah. Something and you point, can control. Totally. And I was kind of just like, well, if I am pregnant, I don't want to have a huge wedding. Like, if we were pregnant, we would do something really small with our family. I was like, I'm not pregnant. Let's have fun. Like, let's just go wild and have, like, a really big, like, amazing wedding. So, yeah, I was working a lot. And I was really, like... I was, I was emotional throughout that time. At the first six months, not at all. The following six months, I was a bit like, oh, what's going on here? You know, I'm really healthy. I should be, you know, I just expected it to be, I expected six months, but I wasn't expecting longer than that. And then um, Han, actually, I think that was actually throughout time that maybe you were starting ovulation induction and it was kind of around me in a way. And I was aware of it and I don't know why. I'm quite intuitive and I just had a feeling, I was like, I think this is going to be... I think this is going to be a journey and I hated kind of like putting that out in the universe, but obviously so be it, it turned out to be quite a journey. So I remember on my honeymoon, I was like waiting, like I was, I hadn't got my period yet. My period was five days late and I was like, perfect. Like I'm going to be pregnant. This is just the best timing ever. Everything, of course, of course it's going to work out. Like, you know, this is amazing. And then obviously wasn't pregnant. So yeah, we got home and I was like, we need to see someone. So we started seeing, um, I actually saw Han's doctor originally um, because I knew Han had a great experience with her. So I started off with her and I did ovulation induction. For me at the start, it wasn't um, injections. I started off on some tablets like to stimulate my ovaries and tried like timing intercourse. And then that naturally progressed to, sorry, I actually did that with another doctor first. And then when I moved to Han's doctor, I started on the injections, the trigger injections, like you know, take all this medication and they say, have sex at this time and, you know, you just hope for the best. So we did that for, my God, I've like told this story so many times and I get so confused because it's, you know, it's so recent, but it also feels like a lifetime ago now. I think ovulation induction for six months. Yeah. And then when that didn't work throughout that time, I was an absolute mess. And that's where it kind of got hard is because I was like, we're actually you know, we're having assistance, like we're t- I'm taking medication, I'm, I'm injecting myself and it's still not happening. And that was the scariest part for me because I was like, okay, well, when will it work? You know, if we're putting money into it already, we're putting medication into it and it's still not working. And I always kind of had in the back of my mind, obviously IVF as, as a backup. And to be honest, I was initially so naive. I thought, of course you do IVF and you fall pregnant and it works. And that's just not always the case. And as you learn more about it, you kind of realize, okay, it's actually not a given. And so my mentality throughout that time was I was just so worried that I was never going to fall pregnant and I don't know what it was and I'm not a negative person. Like, as I said earlier, like I've had to really try and like talk myself out of sort of those kind of emotions, but I just was fixated on, on it never happening. And I was like, I just, I was not in a good place. So we, um, once that ovulation induction didn't work at all, we moved on to IUI, which is kind of like the next step up, which is um, basically they take same sort of ovulation induction. They take his um, sperm and they kind of like put it inside your uterus to give it a head start. So we did one round of that. And then once that didn't work, I was like, 
Yeah, going. I was like, I can't yeah. do this anymore. We're I'm going like, next level I'm done. Now. So I changed clinics and I started IVF that next month, um, which was actually like a really, it sounds, it was obviously a long time. So we started IVF in September. We started trying for a family the March before. So it was, it was a long time. But I was almost just like so – I could not believe that we were doing IVF. Like I was doing injections and I was like, oh, my God, we're doing IVF. How did we get to this point? Like mm. I was so thrilled to be doing it because I wanted to be pregnant then and there. But it's just such a weird thing because you just don't think that it's going to happen. And I have we have friends who have, who have gone through it and have kind of like learnt a little bit about fertility along the way. But you just don't think it's going to happen to you. And I'm like, it was just such a surreal – Thing to go through and yeah unfortunately our first IVF transfer failed which was like life-shattering mm. because you think like that's the backup you know like mm. and you think it's like, going to work we can take a break it's so challenging and I, I even now I know you've come out the other side of it and you are very excitingly at 34 weeks yeah but I, that journey yeah, I, it's, that, a lot. That, it's a trauma that really takes oh. years to process and I think my trauma like when I would talk about it prior to falling pregnant I would be upset because I was so scared but now I'm like upset because I just feel so grateful mm. and um yeah our second and you want trans- everyone to feel that too, yeah and I just know about. what that feels like so yeah. I yeah our second transfer worked and this is my beautiful baby growing now so I'm very very lucky and in this scheme of things I do like to say that my journey was you know obviously it can be much shorter and you don't ever want to have to go down the IVF avenue but my my journey in IVF world is is short and I know lots of people who have been in it far longer than me and I can't even imagine what that would be like so Mm. I just I so cliche but I feel so lucky like every day I look at my belly and I'm like this is just amazing and I'm just so I could not be happier you realize like far out like you like that gratitude that you will yes. have will carry you through in such good stead for when Bubba arrives and um and you know in all the challenging moments that do come as well as the beautiful moments I'm not yeah. saying it's all challenging <laughs> yeah, I was like where are you going <laughs> <laughs> but what did like going back to with the exercise component I mean are you allowed to exercise during IVF and the treatments that you both had can you or do you, are you expected to pull back and and not not do as much and does pilates is pilates one of the safer exercises that you can do i would just go for, for, for me so i was um i was actually not told to not exercise but throughout ivf you're just so full of drugs and so bloated it was the last thing that i wanted to do so throughout ovulation induction i was i was still exercising because it's not it's intense but it's not obviously as intense as ivf and you're not going through surgery and egg collections and things like that so i was still exercising throughout um, ovulation induction for me personally i have always had i would i would say an, a healthy relationship with exercise i've always exercised because i feel better mentally obviously from a physicality point of view i always wanted to keep in shape and things like that but i have not kind of had that mindset where I'm like, you need to exercise, otherwise you're going to be, you know, fat. Yeah, yeah, I've, I've yeah. never, ha- I've thankfully never, ever had that. So I've, if anything, I'm almost like I have to drag myself to exercise type thing. Yeah. And as much as I do it, I really enjoy it. It's not something that kind of consumes my my mental state at, at all. So for me, I was kind of like, I don't feel like it, so I'm just not going to. Yes. And I was okay with that. But then again, it was just, you know, when you're not moving your body, you're not, you know, you're not getting 
that energy from anywhere else. So it was kind of like a bit of a spiral where you're just feeling a bit, a little bit shit inside. You're feeling a little bit sad mentally and emotionally, and then you're not exercising. So you feel like just a bit like in a slump. Yeah. 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 So that was, that was for me. And then I just, yeah, throughout IVF, I didn't exercise at at all just because I was like bloated and in pain and going through surgeries and stuff. So yeah, I didn't either, but really that's just probably my nature as well <laughs> I think for me as well because I wasn't allowed to exercise for the first 19 weeks I was like I'm not allowed to That's and then shame. I was like if I could I would and I was like no I would not <laughs> I loved having that excuse I was like oh Miles I'd really love to go to the gym I just can't today. I'm not allowed <laughs> I know we all talk about it and we ju- like we joke that you know, aha, I weed when I was on the trampoline. I'm just looking at the trampoline at the moment. Yeah. I was like, oh, deadly. I'm not getting on that. No, but then, and, and you were saying to Zoe that, um, you know, no, that is not normal and we should be doing exercises and things. That, yeah. Like, what are the exercises that specifically correlate to pelvic floor within Pilates yeah. and so on? Before I get to that, it's such an important message to spread for women because I think I think in order to make people feel better about perhaps having a little bit of pelvic floor dysfunction and it, and it can it doesn't only ever happen after children like you can have pelvic floor dysfunction without giving birth um, or without carrying a baby and so I think the message has become a little bit mixed along the way where it's it's become considered normal whereas what the real message is is that it's common it's not normal so it's not it's not a given that if you've had a baby you are going to wet your pants when you go on the trampoline like that's not that's not the the normal pathway forward Mm. it's a very common pathway forward but there is so much you can do about it um so that's just my little tidbit there (laughs) (laughs) i no it's putting it into perspective yeah, yeah i just feel really like quite strongly about this because because there actually is so much you can do and it's so easy to do like these are not exercises that really require equipment there there is equipment out there that you can that you can purchase to give you a bit more awareness down there but it's it's such a simple thing to do um you just need to see the right person and get the right help so there's a branch of physiotherapy called women's health physiotherapy or pelvic health physiotherapy where um, these physios have done an, an extra postgrad degree. So where I did my master's in musculoskeletal, they've done their master's in women's health or pelvic health. Right. And um, they can assess the pelvic floor really specifically. So they can tell you whether it's strength that you're lacking, whether it's endurance, um, exact, whether it's overactivity, underactivity, that kind of thing. Um, there are different areas of the pelvic floor. Like it's actually a lot of different muscles that all sort of sit like a sling from like the front of your pelvis to the back. And it includes um, your anus and your vagina and your urethra. So those three holes that are controlled by that whole sling of muscles. Right. So you can have so many different issues with it. So it's not really... The idea that you just need to squeeze your pelvic floor a few times when you sit at the traffic lights, it's not – it doesn't really um, – yeah, I, I don't like, want to be graphic, but I'm, I'm like I'm feeling the urge to squeeze. Yeah, yeah, I'm sure we're all doing it right now. We're all just like, oh. <laughs> don't mind me. Hand pee, talk to We're just doing yeah. some cankles? No, that's Kegels. when you have – No, cankles. Cankles are oh. pregnancy Cankles are what I've got right now. <laughs> Kegels, I wrong. Think. Very wrong. <laughs> yeah. 
I'm, I'm imagining things like bridges in Pilates and so on yep. being re- relevant to those muscles. Oh, well, so in terms of specific exercises, basically once you learn how to engage and relax correctly, it kind of f- filters into all the exercises we do. Right. So whether you're in four-point kneeling, whether you're doing like your tabletop work, whether you're doing a squat or a lunge or um, yep, your bridges, it's about engaging those muscles with that movement. So it's it's one thing to be able to like sit on a chair or lie down on your back and switch these muscles on and off, but that will basically only help you if you're in that position and then you have have to switch them on Mm -hmm. so if it's actually on the trampoline where you get your leakage well you're going to need to practice doing these with with some squats some some jumps you know maybe on the move while you're walking like um sitting from a chair standing up so you, you need to start to train these muscles against gravity but then also with movement so the first, the first step is can I actually hold that contraction while I breathe in and out? And it's amazing when you actually put women to the test. And, and it's not just women, by the way. It's men and women. It's mm-hmm. just much more talked about and commonly um, more common issues with women. Yep. But, yeah, it's amazing when you actually check that where most of us can either hold while we're breathing in or out but then when we switch, I don't know, everyone's trying I'm to do like, right now. I'm holding when you like, switch, <laughs> <laughs> maybe you let go. And so learning how to actually just hold the contraction while you breathe is step number one. Can I hold the contraction while I move? Step number two. And then can I hold the contraction while I do the thing that you need to practice? Yeah. So whether it be doing it later. after this. <laughs> so, yeah. Okay. No, I think you should start with squats. I don't think we should venture to the trampoline. <laughs> and... And then, uh, look, I'm jumping ahead to, like, older age brackets, but am I right in thinking, Hannah, that, um, like, if you focus on this pelvic floor stuff, you can also avoid, to a certain degree, or or maybe avoid, let's change the word, to um, reduce the risk of things like hysterectomy and, like, those, like, you know, where you don't have, you need to have further... Do you, you maybe mean like prolapse? prolapse. Thank you. Yeah. Thank yeah. you. Yeah. Yeah. Sorry. Thank That's you. That's all right. <laughs> um, We're not medically trained. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, can hands like can the calls your phone. <laughs> 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 Sorry. Yeah. Okay, let's go back to prolapse. Sorry. Uh, Does it help avoid or reduce the risk in prolapse if you were to do these exercises and then learn how to engage them? So, this is definitely testing my knowledge base and because I'm not a specifically a women's health um, physio I definitely don't have the stats on this kind of thing but I'm I think that there is some really good evidence now um, with the perineal massage and and like stretching out the perineum in in the lead up to giving birth that shows that you're significantly less likely to um tear or require an episiotomy right and not not having those interventions does reduce your risk of prolapse so I I guess there's there's that and then I think furthermore to that it's it's a lot about learning to relax yes before before going into childbirth to then also reduce reduce the risk of of tears as far as from my knowledge and from my experience if you do the work before you give birth then however your birth goes, you're going to have a much better 
space to relearn how to engage those muscles after because if you weren't very good at it or you'd never really practiced it before or you were practicing it but you weren't practicing it correctly trying to relearn after maybe you have had some stitches or a little bit of tearing or you're just like sore that that's going to be a much bigger learning curve for you and and much harder to get the hang of it's kind of like if you tore your calf muscle and then you were trying to do calf raises yep. like yeah. for the first time in your life. It's like if you'd actually like learned how to do them beforehand, it's going to come back much more naturally afterwards. Yeah, that makes sense. Um, so it's definitely multifactorial and I, I don't really think I've got the knowledge to say whether like being good at pelvic floor stops you from having a prolapse. I also think that there's um, a much – a really high rate – not a really high rate but an increased rate post-menopause regardless of whether you gave birth or not and so I'm not really sure what the correlation reason is there but it seems to be that either it's menopause or it's that certain age group where some of these pelvic floor issues become apparent whether or not you've given birth right so it's like there must be maybe there's something else at play there yeah Gotcha. Great. Fantastic. We've got that to look forward to. <laughs> so, but, you know, it is relatively new. And, and for a lot of our, like, the, the older generation, like, like our mothers, like Pilates is, is really new to them. And they didn't have it when they were going through, you know, bearing their children and, and early motherhood. And so it'll be really interesting to see what those stats look like, maybe for our generations where mm. most women do do pilates oh i don't or know some it's just kind of yeah like we're, we're so much more aware of it and it's it's sort of it's very like mainstream now and it's something that you say the word and it's not like oh what's that or it's not just the dancers no, that it's are such doing a, it yeah and it is more readily available yeah. and i guess accessible with being able to afford to do it if you yeah. are doing it at home yeah yes so um, we ask all of our guests this one. Some people like it, some people don't. Um, <laughs> For you guys, do you have a hindsight that you would have t- told yourself about your fitness and well-being, and you would sort of want to nurture your younger self if you could go back? And then also on a business front, like what would you go back and tell yourself as a woman starting a startup business? like a hindsight that you would want to share for people, I guess, particularly that are, you know, listening and maybe at that point in their lives where they could take something away from it and learn through, for the want of a better term, our mistakes. <laughs> for me, I guess my biggest like sort of learnings have been through, through business and um, I guess owning a business means making mistakes and I think that's something that I've really had to learn and understand and appreciate as as time's gone on and I had Lamont I love I say had because it's gone now it makes me a bit sad (laughs) but like as much as it's gone like I've put it to bed for a little bit I'm so grateful that I that I did that and I had learned so 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 much from every single mistake that I made and I think I have said this before and it just sounds a little bit cliche but they're actually, they're not mistakes. They're, they're learnings and they're ways to learn. And I think every time that we, I would, I would do something that I wasn't, you know, happy with or proud of, or I'd make a decision that didn't end up serving me, I'd go, okay, that happened so that I don't make that same, you know, mistake in the future. And I think it's about, I guess, taking those times and like 
of, of hardship or of learnings and kind of like turning them into a bit of a positive to kind of go, okay, well, that's where it's led me to today. Mm-hmm. And I think if I hadn't have gone through what I went through with Lamont and, you know, making some silly decisions or making, um, maybe just starting the business in general, I would never have then moved into starting our Pilates with Han. And I just feel like this for us is just like such a, it's a, such a perfect avenue and it feels so natural. And as we said at the beginning, everything has felt organic. And I think that having those learnings previously have really helped. So I think at the time you're like, oh, you know, nothing's working out for me. And all I'm doing is putting out fires every day, but (laughs) that's just owning a business. Like Mm. that is just what part and parcel of owning a business is. It's just like figuring it out along the way. And kind of at that time, you're not feeling like you're good enough or you're skilled enough or, um, you know, why is this happening type thing? So if mm. I could go back to myself, I'd say it's all going to set you up to to learn what you need to learn in order to get to where you want to be. And I feel like, yeah, our Pilates is just, yeah, it's like we just, I just love it. And I just feel so grateful to be here. And I know that I had to go through that all of those, get, all yeah. of that to kind of get to yeah, this I point. Yeah, I love that. Yeah. I love that. That makes me feel better about our decisions. Yeah, and this podcast. <laughs> and the fires. The fires it's that we fires. put out every day. And that's what business is. And like, I, what's today going to throw? I know, and it's easy to get in that moment really down about it. And, like, I would yeah. have moments where I'd sit at my desk and I'd cry and cry and cry and I've wasted this much money and wasted this much time. And then you just realise that is – I guess the downside in a way of being able to own your own business and do something that you really love and you really enjoy is you're going to have those moments where you're like, this actually is a little bit shit. (laughs) I don't know how to, how to move through this. But then when you do, you're like, oh, I feel good about that. And I've learned so much and I feel so much better. And, and do you have Um, one on a exercise or wellness? I guess if you were reflecting upon the wellness journey that you went through to find the balance. I, I wonder if, I would even listen to myself when I offer this advice. But I think I think one thing that might have been really handy is just to to have some perspective and look at it in a little bit of a like wider lens rather than being like I must do this today, I must do that tomorrow. Like like literally feeling guilty if you don't get your run or your workout done, you know, on that specific day. Think of it more as like over the course of like a month or a year. Like think maybe not a year, but you know, think think a little bit bigger picture Broader. and just be like, well, if I don't run t- today, is it really going to affect how I feel like by the end of this month or even by the end of this week? Like I think you need to sometimes like zoom out a bit and not get so caught up in like what you're doing right now and and thinking that if you miss something it's going to be this big catastrophe and like you know you're you're lazy and that it's like it's you need to like zoom out have a bit of perspective awesome well i good I congratulations love guys because honestly getting you know through your journey to this point and starting our pilates together and connecting and being two you know women that have you know created something that aligns with your values it's so important and um and so impressive and we're so grateful and we've that loved you, chatting with yeah, you it's been, been fun thank you thank you we've loved it too sorry thank we've you well we on. could talk no, all day no, seriously <laughs> me too um we'll put all of that um information on to our website as well and um in our social media so thank you very much Thanks. pleasure thank you Thank you for joining us for this week's episode of Not Super Woman. You can find extra resources, links and information on our website, which is notsuper-woman.com. Is that a dash or a hyphen? A dash is a hyphen, rash. 
<laughs> Wonderful. <laughs> um, and if you're enjoying what we're bringing, you can follow us on our socials and we're across all podcast platforms. So hit subscribe, guys. 